This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. And for this very special bonus minisode, I am joined by comic book extraordinaire Phoebe Xavier. Phoebe, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about your Kickstarter that's coming up, or the Kickstarter that's going on, I should say. Um, but before we get into that, could you tell folks who maybe haven't heard of you um, who you are and what's your deal? Sure. Um, I am Phoebe A. Xavier, and I write science fiction. I write cyberpunk. I write comic books. Um, I write horror porn. I write, um, uh, I'm a writer. Um, yeah. <laughs> on a, um, an independent comic book brand called 123Go Publications. And we are a small crew of maybe about two dozen people that um, spans the globe. Um, we, I think we have people on at least five continents on the team. And uh, we put out the, this anthology, 13th Moon, is our fifth title. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to say the the Kickstarter that you have running right now is 13th Moon, um, at, which looks fantastic. It's uh, 52-page Halloween anthology uh, with seven stories. I, I will say I got to look at a preview of this book, and all of the stories that I've seen so far look fantastic. Uh, I guess my first question about this is, how did you, I guess, gather up all of these wonderful creators to put this book together? All right, so um, there is a Facebook forum that a lot of indie creators are in, and it's specifically for anthology creators. And um, I think it was in there that I put out the call um, that I was like, does anybody have complete horror stories to pitch me for an anthology? And that's where I got the um, inexorable story and um, the story called The Dam, which you didn't see that in the preview, but it's a a four-page short. Yeah, it just kind of went from there. But also, um, Bayron, who did the uh, Lucy and the Doombringers, uh, the first one, that's the cover story and the first 15 pages. Um, Bayron worked with me on Sidereal Apogee, my my original book, my flagship book. Uh, he did a story in the first issue, and he's also done some other art design work for me over the years. So I've always been in contact with him, and I knew he had this story about like these punk rock um, or heavy metal demon girls. Mm-hmm. And he refined it to the point where it was just about the one girl. And I basically have been working with him all year. Like, Hey, where are we at on the story? Cause I really want to put it in my book. <laughs> well, I, I will say I did read through that one. That one was very fun. Uh, like from beginning to end. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, I guess along with that, you know, the, a lot of the other creators, like I noticed that there's kind of like a, uh, a varying lengths and things like that. How did you determine, um, how to, I guess, segment things together in the book when you've got a story that's a couple pages versus eight pages and, and things like that? Did you have a distinct order in mind or is it, uh, just kind of like how the books or the books fit together when you got them turned in and things like that? I think in general, in and in a, several of our titles, um, Gunmetal Black Ops is another one of our titles that's an anthology, and um, Sidereal Apogee is an anthology. And the way that I run my anthology books is usually with the biggest story up front, and it's mm-hmm. usually the first story is the one that's on the cover. Gotcha, gotcha. That's all, just in general the way, the trends that I go with for anthologies. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, I've. I mean, I. I don't think we've talked to many folks on our show about like organizing anthologies. But how did you get into the business of saying like I want to put out anthology books versus I want to try to do like a monthly ongoing, which I think a lot of creators try to do, uh, maybe after they've done anthology work. But like, it seems like you're you're you really dig on anthologies. I do, and um, the I do have ongoing a few ongoing titles that are not anthologies, but I would not say that we get them done in a month. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> But uh, 
The whole universe that Sidereal Apogee takes place in comes from a number of other writings that I've done that's narrative fiction, and it already is sort of an anthology um, in, in how I'm putting this universe together. I tell different separate tales about different characters in this universe that are slight, sort of connected through um, this thing called Soul Core, which is like the government body that kind of rules the whole solar system in the future. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's that and this underground hacker website that sort of connects the characters in my book. But um, other than that, yeah, it, like some of the characters only show up once. Some of them are recurring. It depends on which story that I think is cool that I want to tell in that world. Gotcha. That's yeah, that's that's fantastic. I, I guess I had like a, just a couple more questions about Thirteenth Moon. Like uh, for folks that are interested, um, the ultimate book's going to be fifty-two pages. Um, are you offering any kind of like extravagant, like if you pay a thousand dollars, you could be in the book kind of offerings, or what's the Kickstarter look like for folks that are interested? Not really, but we do have two exclusive drawings um, by uh, Rich Mulholland, who is in the UK, who is a very talented uh, artist. If you look at our updates, you can see the sketch of one of them he did a sketch of uh, like a pinup sketch of lucy from lucy and the Doombringers. Mm-hmm. i think we're charging 150 for that one but that's like a one of a kind you can never get that anywhere else sort of right. thing. um and he's doing that again for our character malik i think we have another one up there that is an exclusive that you can get the one of a kind trying of malik um but a lot of it okay so we have like a, a posters um bundle which is a malik reigning devil poster and a sidereal apogee poster we have um a merch pack which i think involves stickers posters and buttons we have t-shirts we have a t-shirt offer um we mostly got all those things printed ahead of time too so it's not like we're we're raising the money to print that. Like I have it sitting in my room right now. <laughs> right, right. I, I've run one Kickstarter in the past, and I think that was the thing we we were like. I just bought all this stuff in advance, and you know, I'm I'm pretty confident that folks are going to get it, and I'm excited for them to get it in their hands. So that's cool. That's good to know. I mean, I, I know that some of the people, some people worry about Kickstarters not delivering on time, and so on and so forth. But it seems like from the previews you sent me, and from the sounds of it, you guys are just ready to deliver as soon as the Kickstarter ends, which is really exciting. Uh, Or at least close to it, I assume. Yeah, well, and the other really cool thing about it is um, I'm working with, um, we publish most of our books with uh, Kablam, and it's Kablam and Indie Planet are like a joint venture. So they have a Kickstarter sort of uh, promotional deal or whatever, where I just turn over the lists and the addresses of the people that promoted the project, and they just send it directly to them. I don't ever have to receive anyone else's uh, copies of the book to remail it. Oh, nice. That's very, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. It's like, I, I think with how, how prolific Kickstarters have been, it's like, I, I, it's no surprise that companies like that exist. That's really handy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and speaking of, I guess of that, like, uh, Kickstarter seems to be like a, a pretty solid, uh, venture for you. Um, why not something like Indiegogo or have you worked with trying to get things into the diamond, uh, I guess the diamond listings and things like that? Um, or do you think that like Kickstarter is the way to go for this kind of stuff? Um, well, I was part of um, Caleb Palmquist's Modern Mythology Anthology last year, and it was a $13,000 Kickstarter. And when we kicked off, I thought like that would be impossible. Um, we did it. We made like $13,500 or something. And um, it was being a part of that and seeing how he did it taught me enough about the Kickstarter process that I felt that I could put a book together. Gotcha. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge supporter of Kickstarter books. It's like one of my go-to things. Like every week I'm on there just to see like what's new, what's coming out, what's exciting. Um, so, I mean, I, I totally understand that. It seems like, I, I don't know, the thing that I've always enjoyed about it is just that like Kickstarters usually always fulfill, especially when it comes to comics. And it's there's no like weird, try to, like gimmicky stuff when it comes to Kickstarter books. It's just like you get what you're paying for. You don't have to worry about hooks and cliffhangers and all that stuff. Like because usually it's a lot of a book all at once. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've had like multiple successes so far with with Kickstarter. Um, I'm, I've spearheaded it as like I'm in charge of the project, so mm-hmm. it is it is still a learning experience. But we're doing really good. Um, we're just about at fifty percent, and we have twenty two days left. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I think when this this airs, it might be a couple days closer to the to the uh, actual uh, end date. But yeah, that's that's great to hear. That I think that's like good good building from from my understanding. it right now. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, beyond the Kickstarter, um, I know we kind of talked a little bit about some of the other work that you've done with one, two, three go publications, but how did that whole organization, uh, come together? Is it just like, you've got ideas for books and you reach out to creators or do people come to you with ideas, um, and things like that? So, um, I do solicit, um, stories from other people. Um, I I have a couple other writers working with me right now. Uh, it, it initially was more process of me hiring a billion artists to, Uh, draw all the stories that I wanted to tell Mm -hmm. and it started with me initially just doing Sidereal Apogee excuse me which is my cyberpunk anthology that takes place in the 2400s all in the same shared universe and I think from there I got it in my head that I wanted to do a spin-off book I wanted to do a superhero book so that's where my book Trouble comes from that she is in the Sidereal Apogee universe but her book is a totally different um, pace uh, and tone. It's more like a comedic, very, very comedic. And um, Schwenchen, who is the artist for that, he is a hentai artist. So, like, even though there's no explicit sex going on, a lot of, like, TNA. Okay. Yeah. So it's, like, visually kind of pops out in that sense. And she's just a really fun character to write. And that's my favorite book right now, actually, of everything we do. But, um... So that was just like me wanting to write a superhero book, but keeping it also in my universe. There, is, oh, Malik Reigning Devil. So I, Gunmetal Black Ops is our uh, espionage assassin anthology. My friend and uh, part of our team on One Two Three Go, Frederick Roseman, he had these characters. He's had them for years: Jade Lion and Black Cauldron, and they're a lesbian couple and an assassin pair. And he like draws pinups of them and sells them at conventions and stuff and had been doing that for years. But he's much more of a write, I mean, uh, artist than a writer. So mm-hmm. I was like, hey, let me write a story for these characters and then you could draw it. And that's where we got our um, main story from the first issue there. But also at the same time, I was soliciting other people like, hey, does anyone have an eight page story that we could put in the back of the book? Right. And that's why Je- Jeffrey Haas pitched me the story about this uh angel that has to go to hell and uh assassinate lucifer oh. <laughs> and, and and so at the end of the story he succeeds and um now so jeff came back and he was like hey so i can i have like a five issue limited series to tell the rest of the story after what of what happens after he killed the devil and so that's where we got our other book Malik reigning devil from um Issue two is in production, I think, as far as scripts go. Issue three, I've already approved of, and Jeff is working on issue four right now. Holy smokes. Um, 
that sounds like a lot to manage. I mean, I, 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 that's super impressive. I just like, as you're talking, I'm just like, how do you keep track of all these stories and characters? Like it's, it's mind blowing. It's amazing. I have folders on my computer with their different names on them. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, that's great. The next thing I wanted to go into was, I I guess, you know, with this book, the 13th moon being like a horror anthology, um, did you draw from any particular, like, I I know I saw that your name was on a couple of the different books and stuff as a, as writer or letterer. Um, and as someone who's, you know, writing comics, especially in like a horror series, um, did you draw off of any like horror movies or any other older horror stories or older horror comics um, as inspiration for anything that you've worked on? For me, okay, so for my involvement in 13th Moon, it's mostly been the organizer, editor-in-chief, although I have done a lot of the letters too. Right. But the only two stories that I had any creative input on, like direct creative input on, was my story, Escape Pod, and... Um, Bayron's story, the Doombringer story, the cover story, because um, I helped them rework the script a little bit to make it a little funnier. So those are the only two things I had direct input on. And for comedic, for comedic horror influence, I was going to reference what is that movie back in the like, 90s or 80s where like Wolfman has nards, they kick the Wolfman in the in, the, in his junk or whatever. Um, Monster Squad is a it might be Monster Squad. I, I'm not familiar with this. I'm sorry. Oh, it's cool. I'm like 43 years old. I saw it in the theater. Okay, okay. The, yeah, I think it's Monster Squad. I think it's got the two Corys in it. But, um, the yeah, so I would I would say that was my inspiration for helping the script with Bayron. And um, for my story, it's actually a little darker and more like Black Mirror, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that that's where my influence would have drawn from for those two stories that I had uh, creative input on for this uh, for this anthology. Mm-hmm. But also as editor-in-chief, I did kind of influence, like, all right, Philip uh, Butehorn's um, one-way ticket story, which you haven't seen yet, but I have some preview pages up uh, on the Kickstarter. He, I think we reworked it two or three times. That, like, I, I, I definitely approve of him. Like, he, I gave him 10 pages in the book. And um, or I'm going to start as an eight-page story, but um, I didn't like, actually. So I'm drinking while we're having this podcast. <laughs> That's totally fine. I drink every night. And Philip initially wrote a story about someone who like gets killed on the drunk train. That like they victimize drunks at the end of the night. I was like, no, I don't like that because I get drunk every night. <laughs> <laughs> so we reworked it a little bit, and actually, the story is so brilliant right now, and um, I'm glad that I like rejected the two versions of it that I did reject because the third version he came back at me with is a brilliant horror story. So yeah, that's kind of part of my process as an editor. Sometimes, sometimes I can like exactly like, Hey, let's change it to this. Cause I think this works, but sometimes it's just like, eh, this doesn't work and come back with something better. And, um, and I don't always have the exact idea on how to make it better, but um, yeah, when, when your team, when your writers come back with something better, when you ask them to, that's the shit. It's that you have so much power as editor in chief. That's that's fantastic. I mean, it's good to hear that you can you can push back on people and it it results in something like very positive. Which now I'm very excited to read that story. Um, yeah, that story is really good. You're gonna like that. Fantastic. I mean, um, so I guess beyond the Kickstarter, um, have you been, you know, checking out anything in specific for like the Halloween season to get yourself amped up for the end of Halloween? Or have there been any comics or any horror things that you've been consuming that like have really gotten you jazzed for the season? Um, honestly, not really, um, on, on TV and stuff, there have been, there's been kind of a shortage of good shows, Mm. um, but, um, 
I think it's called Into the Dark is a Hulu series I've sort of been watching lately um, that has a lot of horror. It's a horror series, but it's more of an anthology um, that's based on each one is themed around a holiday. Um, But they're really, yeah. And they're like, um, they're like 90 minute per episode. So it's like a whole movie. So to watch a season, it takes a month. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you're but, one of those people that can just, like, binge watch something in a weekend, which I don't ever ever understand, but, you know, to each their own. I used to have, um, well, I mean, certain shows, it depends. Like, I would sort of do that. Like, um, Umbrella Academy Season 1, I think I watched it. Oh, gotcha. But, yeah, but um, I don't always binge. It depends how, how much the story drops. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you watch, you know, things that are I mean, compelling, I mean, I get that with Umbrella Academy. Holy smoke. Are you a big fan of the comics? I'm not a huge fan of the comics. I never looked at the comics until I watched that season. Okay. Um, I do I do appreciate the comic books for what they are, but um, the the show blows me away. I really yeah, yeah, that first season. I, I, haven't, I haven't finished the season, but um, from what I saw, I mean, holy smokes. It was amazing from the beginning to, I think I got about three two-thirds of the way through uh and then stopped for some reason which thank you for the reminder i think i should go back and finish umbrella academy season two is just as good yeah okay well, that's good that's good to hear i guess the, the i mean we i guess we're kind of in the middle of uh, you know the pandemic of the world so i gotta ask are you missing convention season are you a big convention goer i never have been and actually okay so for a good portion of my life the last two decades um about 14 years i lived as a nomad hobo traveler and um a lot of, initially when I was young enough, I used to just live on the streets, sleep on the streets. Um, but as I got older, I more had a network of friends that I could couch surf with. And um, so the last four years of my life, I was mostly in Florida, but it was always bouncing around to like different people's houses. And um, I moved back to uh, Pennsylvania, which is where I went to high school and settled down in a place uh, on a lease with a job and uh, all that just specifically to be able to do conventions around uh, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Um, and then COVID, but yeah. yeah. Um, so I was at that phase in my independent comic book creator sort of uh, career that I was like, it's important for me to take all these books that I've been making and just show up at a convention with stacks of them on a tape. Mm-hmm. But then COVID. So um, I was never really part of the convention scene, but I'm looking forward to being part of it when it reasons. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you at a convention. Hopefully, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the New York area myself, so fingers crossed for New York City Comic Con 2021. Um, um, Chris McCauley, who is the author of the our Dracula story and who is our colorist for half of this book, he's Chris is just a brilliant person in general. But Chris was like um, booked for New York Comic Con as a guest, like to appear and speak or something. Oh wow! Yeah, for 2020, I think Chris has worked for. Um, uh, 2000 AD. He's worked for Todd McFarlane. He works for Marvel right now. Chris is definitely much more um, professionally engaged in the comic industry than I am. But he, yeah, he works for One Two Three Go, and he's awesome. That's fantastic. I, I I'm sure that I've I've seen his work then. Um, I guess, and that actually brings me to another question that I wanted to ask you. How did you get into lettering comics? Was it just like out of necessity, or is that something you have an interest in? You know, beyond writing. Um, it, through necessity and also um, because I used to make our um, flyers for our punk rock shows. So um, I already had a, a degree of graphic art, graphic design sort of skill going on. Um, okay. I work I work in GIMP. I, I use Linux, so I don't do uh, Photoshop or whatever, but I do use 
GIMP, which is a version of like or a facsimile of uh, uh, Photoshop, kind of, mm-hmm. but source. Um, so yeah, I'm I, I was already pretty good with GIMP, and then um, actually, if you, I'll send it to you sometime. If you look at my first two issues of lettering, I was not that great, um, and it wasn't. And it's not horrible, horrible. Um, you get you can read the whole story, but me looking back at it, I'm like, oh shit, I could have been so much better, but. <laughs> But over the past four years and like getting some critical response from people who do lettering more professionally, um, my lettering has improved a, a, a great deal. And I think Lucy is one of the prime examples, Lucy and the Doombringers, of my uh, how good I've gotten at it. Um, I really like, actually, one of my favorite interchanges of the whole thing is when the demon horse guy curses at her, says something to her, and she's like, the fuck you will, Chatterhead. <laughs> like, but his whole thing, whatever he says, is in a font that you can't read. So it's just like in a movie, like when you, a demon talks and it's in an indecipherable language or whatever. And um, I think I did that one a few times in that story where it's just like someone's speaking in tongues now. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the the no translation. It, it adds to like the, you know, realness of, yes, there may actually be a demon here. Uh <laughs> Uh, and, and if I w- were to translate it out of that in- undecipherable uh, font that I put it in, there's actually like there's sentences and words in every single one of those bubbles that looks indecipherable. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that, <laughs> this is like one of those secrets of the trade where you kind of wonder, like, is that real or is it just gibberish that they needed, you know, an Not alien true. or a demon to speak or something? That That's really cool yeah. to know. <laughs> there's words under there. Yeah. <laughs> well, OK, I do want to go back to one other thing you said. So you said you used to make posters for like punk rock shows. Were you in a, were you in a band before you got into comics? Um, I I did a lot of hip hop music back in the day. Actually, okay. um, I personally, as a solo artist, performed a bit, a bit. But um, I was a part of a number of different um, do-it-yourself DIY indie punk houses where we would throw shows. And um, so for years out of Illinois, I was part of a place called Disaster House. And yeah, I became the, uh, I did the flyers uh, for maybe like two years in a row that I did most of the flyers for our shows. Holy smokes. That's, that is fantastic. Are there bands out there that you would recommend to the folks that came out of these houses that you were in? Um, Aiden McLean, I think his uh, biggest, or, or his, the, his solo act is the Led Zeppelin reunion tour. I think he's really good to check out. Um, Garbage Men, uh, Nick is my, he still prints all my pins to this day. Um, Shit that'll be part of my March package. Um, He also just printed a bunch of Biden-Harris 2020 buttons for me. Nice. Uh, His band is called Garbage Men or Garbage Man. Um, There were a lot of really good, um, uh, a, a lot of good bands that came through our scene and our house and Actually, just Rockford itself, Rockford, Illinois, is where um, that house was. Okay, had an astounding uh, amount of really good musicians. Um, and I think maybe it's because there were a couple venues around that, like you know, provided a space. Like, hey, you got a band, you can play. Mm-hmm. Thirty to two hundred people are going to show up and rock out. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I was going to say, I feel like for some reason, some there's something about like the Chicago area that right because Rockford's pretty close to Chicago, right? It's about a hundred miles west of there, but yeah, for sure. We had Chicago okay. 
go all the time. Yeah, yeah I, I the only reason I bring that up is because I, I knew some friends in college who like had a house like that in the Chicago area and they would just like bring in any kind of band. They're like, hey, we might fill this basement up with, you know, a hundred people or it's going to be, you know, the three people that live in the house and then maybe four other guys that show up, you know. Uh, I, I love that kind of scene. It's it's so exciting to actually be at one of those shows. So that's it's really cool that you were a part of something like that. I, I really admire that, like the people that were able to put those shows on. Yeah, no, it's um, it was a lot. It's always been a lot of fun to do things like that too, like being part of the booking end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to meet like uh, tons of bands as they're getting more famous. Oh, um, Apes of the State is another one that I would recommend. Um, that we had Apes of the State play. April Hartman is a friend of mine from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But yeah, um, I didn't know her from Pennsylvania. We just knew that they were a band that wanted to play at our house, and uh. I think she's living back in Lancaster right now. Can't do touring with COVID, but that's a good band. You should check them out for sure. Awesome. Uh, well, I guess uh, we're we're running a little bit out of time here. So I guess, is there any any last minute things you want to mention about 13th Moon before we wrap up here? Um, uh, $5 for a digital download, $13 plus shipping. That's like 16 in America. Um, and a lot of cool, weird other things that you could buy from the project. And we appreciate any and all support. If we are not above 100% right now, please, 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 please drop a dollar in the bucket. If we're already above 100% by when you hear this, then thank you so much for supporting us. Fantastic. Well, Phoebe, this has been a ton of fun chatting with you. Um, I guess where can folks find you on the internet if they want to reach out about maybe questions or anything about 13th Moon or all the other stuff that you have at 123Go? So 123Go Publications is our Instagram. You can find us on Instagram, 123Go Publications. Um, I run, I'm running that that account now. Um, and on Twitter, I am at Aurora underscore Flox, P-H-L-O-X. And, but, on oh, I think we have a Twitter now. Jeff is running a Twitter for us, too, that might just be at 123Go Publications. Um, but, but my personal Twitter is Aurora Flox, and I mostly am there to talk politics, although I am doing the Kickstarter on there now. So yeah, if you want to follow me as a person, I am very engaged with politics. Okay. Well, cool. I'll, I'll make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. Um, and I, let me just run through some of our regular stuff here. You can follow uh, everyone on the show. You, uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of our patrons out there. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash IRCB Podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out our Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. Uh, Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They are the best band in the universe. I want to say thank you to Xander, who's our editor. Thank you again, Phoebe, for being on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, Until next time, comics are good, and so are you.